Hey, everybody. How's it going? Happy Sunday. God, thank you for today. Thank you for all the blessings in our lives, especially this blessing of a life. Give us the peace and the strength and the wisdom to do your will with it. Thank you for this opportunity for us to come together, fellowship with, fellowshipping with one another, encouraging one another in your sovereignty and your strength. We are your church and you are our God. And I worship you now. Amen.
Every time I, oh, that's my favorite worship song, by the way. <laughs> but every time I hear that, it just, it reminds me that, um, man, Christ, he let go of everything for us. It says in Philippians, it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And God, we thank you this morning that we worship a king who's conquered the grave. We worship the king who sits on the throne of eternity, Lord, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Lord. 
because you are worthy of all praise, giving up your life and taking it back, defeating death and the grave so that we can have life eternal with you, God. And we thank you, Lord, for this church. And we pray that this morning that you would be glorified and highly lifted up as we get into your word. Lord, from the kids' church to Floyd as he preaches, God, be lifted up in this place and be glorified, God. This is about you. This is not our agenda. This is about you, God. So unify us as a body so that we can declare your name great in the city, in this place. We thank you, Jesus. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're happy that you're here. If you want to know what's happening in the church, it's in your bulletin. We're going to be postponing Class 101 because Brian is sick this morning, so that's not going to be happening. But everything else is good to go. Um, we're going to dismiss kids at this time. If you have kids, you can bring them to Kids Church. If you don't, just stand with us and we'll just continue to worship. Um, and yeah, thanks for being here, guys.
We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are God's chosen people. A people set apart to live holy and blameless through Jesus Christ. We are his royal priesthood. We are ministers of mercy. Who live to intercede on behalf of Christ to the world. We are God's holy nation. A people for his own possession. That we may proclaim the excellencies of him. Who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the living God dwells within us. We are the pillar and foundation of truth. We live to proclaim the truth of the gospel to a lost and broken world. That is the church and that's God. We love our Father and each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the flock. A people who hear and follow our shepherd's voice. In joyful obedience. We, we are, are the, the body, body of Christ. We exist as one body together. Interdependent upon each other. Under Christ as our head. We are the bride of Christ. A people who are passionately and wholeheartedly in love with our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. We are the church. We, we are the church. church. We are the 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 church, people. Hey, man, I love that video. I was going to... I, I saw it for the first time. They showed me a preview, and I was, I was thinking, no, no, not going to work, not going to work. And then I saw myself, and I oh, no, it's good, it's good. <laughs> uh, are we ready for an offering this morning? Uh, Father, we want to thank you, God, for all that you have provided for us in Christ, including, God, every, every natural and financial blessing that we receive, Father. We want to enter into your kingdom in the area of finance, in the area of, of our own personal economy, and, the, and even the uh, economy of, of your kingdom, Lord. And so as we sow this morning, let it be sown into your kingdom by faith, and let us, God, reap from that which we give, Lord, according to your favor and blessing on our lives through Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, if you're new to Friends Church, uh, my name is Floyd, and I'm a child of God. And by child, I mean, I mean, I'm a learner of God. I am someone who, you know, I've been walking with God for over 35 years, but I really honestly feel like I'm just beginning. Um, early, early in my Christian walk, probably, you know, three or four years in the Lord, um, we were asked to rate ourselves in the area of, you know, how mature we were on, you know, a scale of like one to ten. And I, I rated myself at about an eight. And ever since then, it's been going down, and now I'm about a two, two and a quarter. So I'm a child of God. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm, I'm on a great adventure with, uh, with you. And, uh, we're entering more increasingly into his kingdom and into all that he has provided for, God has provided for us in Christ. And uh, we have just scratched the surface of what all that is to be learned and to be experienced in God. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful that God is moving in Friends Church. 
you, you maybe don't get the reports like I do, but I'm telling you, the core of this church and the newer people that are coming into this church are like, they, they have this excitement, this exuberance, this, you know, dedication, commitment. They're ready to devote themselves to this because I think we all sense the presence of God and he's moving, he's doing something, you know, and it's like, wow. So, um, and I want to mention that uh, if you are new to the church, we have a, a meet and greet area that we would love to meet you after the service. Uh, it's in the coffee shop. Uh, we're continuing this morning in our series on identity. We're talking about who and what we are. And um, I hope that you have your notes with you because uh, most of what I'm going to talk about is in your notes. And this message, the way that it kind of came, the way it was kind of constructed this morning is it really reminds me of, of, a, of a hammer and nail. I'm just going to hammer this one single nail over and over and over through this message. And by the time we get done, this thing will be completely nailed down. And um, so uh, bear with me if I seem to be repeating myself, but I feel like it's very important to all of us individually and corporately as a church. Uh, so what I'm going to be talking about is, like I said, our identity. That is who and what we are called and created to be. Um, I'm going to talk about the fact that we, will, we know our identity by revelation. It has to be revealed to us in the Spirit. It's not enough simply to read about it in the Word. The actual Word in the Bible needs to be revealed to us. Um, and the manifestation of our identity, the realization of our identity, in other words, becoming who we actually are in God's sight, uh, uh, is, takes place by and through the grace, the favor, the Holy Spirit, and the sufficiency of God. If you look in your notes there, um, we have a definition of, of taken from the, from the dictionary on identity, and then I'll kind of apply it to how it um, characterizes us as a church. It's defined as the condition of being oneself and not another. So in our identity is a uniqueness. And in the church, it would be a great diversity. There's a, there, that we are all distinct and special in God's sight. And none is exactly like another in that sense. It, it is the condition or character as to who a person is or what a thing is. So it's who and what we are. And then the third definition is, exact likeness in nature or qualities. There's one thing that we all share in common, and that is that we have the divine nature of God within us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, the Bible says. And so we are all partakers of the divine nature of God. This is something that we all share in common. 
So there is a great likeness. And it's really cool that when, you know, you meet somebody from China or Indonesia or some other part, South America, some other part of the world, and you have this instant bond, this instant understanding of that person because they're a follower. They're, they are a disciple of Christ. They have this, you know, they have this ongoing renewal of the mind and we have this awesome commonality and we can totally relate to them. I was watching uh, Manny Pacquiao being interviewed on, on a, a TBN this week and, you know, we speak the same language, you know, he's from the Philippines, but, but I feel like I know him as a brother in the Lord. And I must say that he is a genuine uh, Christian and uh, really a man of God. So um, one of the verses that's really meant a lot to me is Galatians 1.1, where it says, it, it, you know, you could read over, it's just sort of an introductory, it's, a, it's you know, the first verse, and, and, you, and, you know, you could easily read over it and just think, well, it's just an introduction. But it is so powerful, so profound. The whole book of Galatians is, is defined in this first verse. And it says, Paul. Paul. This, is, this was not the name given by his, his parents, but it was a name that he received I believe from the Lord. He says, Paul, an apostle, not by man, nor the agency of man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And there is an element, there is truth in that that is true for each one of us. That we are named by God. We are known by Him. And He has called us and He has chosen us We're a royal priesthood. We are all these identities that you just heard in the video. So he says, Paul, an apostle, this is who I am and what I am. And it is not by man, nor the agency of man. It is not not something, what we are called to be and who we are is not something that is humanly achievable. But it requires the grace, the sufficiency, the favor of God to be, become what God has already called us as what we are. And so it's above and beyond what is humanly possible that we could become what God has identified us as what we are. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 15.10, I don't know if it's in your notes, but it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. In other words, all the other apostles. This is Paul speaking. He's saying, I labored more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So I am what I am by the divine enabling power of God. And what I do... I say it's, you know, I do it, but it's yet not I. But the grace of God that was with him is with us. And so what we're talking about, the identity that I want to talk about this morning is the fact that we are a temple of God. We are a holy temple of God. And in your notes it says, 
in Ephesians 2, that, so then you are no longer stra- strangers and aliens, strangers and aliens from the covenants of God. You are fellow citizens with the saints, citizens of the holy kingdom, the holy nation, and are of God's household. We're part of God's family. Having been built, up, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, the largest stone, the stone by which everything else is measured, okay? Jesus Christ is the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So we are all, in all of our diversity, we're being brought brought into a unity of a dwelling place of God. We are being built together, and God is raising up a holy temple. And that's what we are. So we have diversity, we have unity, and we have this transition that we're all a part of as we're growing into being what God has called us to be. And I want you to know that this uh, idea of the temple applies to each one of us individually and corporately. In 1 Corinthians 6.19 it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. So your body, individually, each one of us are a temple of God. God is dwelling within us. And secondly, in 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? That word you is plural. He's talking to the whole church. That as a, as a corporate body, we are a temple of God. So we're a temple of the Holy Spirit individually and we're a temple of God together, corporately, being built together into this dwelling of God. 1 John 4.13, this is a verse I like to use with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses just to let them know that I'm a part of God's plan, and I'm his and he's mine. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Now let's see how this fits into our, uh, our vision and mandate for Friends Church. I don't know if most of you are probably familiar with this. We have, you know, like a mission statement. And that mission statement is to call the church to know God to know each other, and to equip the saints to make him known. So we have these three elements. We have to know God, to know each other, and to make him known. And so, first of all, to know God, that's the individual aspect of our identity. That's where we receive our individual call as to who and what we are personally as an individual before him that we go to God in the secret place, which is the closet of prayer. This is just you and God. You communing, fellowshipping, 
you with the Word of God spread out before you and you're praying and you're saying, God, what does this mean? Show me who I am, what I am by your Word. And we, and we read the Word and God begins to speak to us personally. I want to emphasize to you that, that you can hear God. And God can tell you things about yourself that you need to know. You need to know who you are and what you are in His sight. And you have to wait before Him so that you can realize the fact that you're His masterpiece. I'm just telling you that, you know, it's not easy when when you begin to do this. It's, you know, it's kind of a challenge. You go in there with your list. God, please do this. Please do that. But, But it goes way beyond that. And you have to sort of rest. You have to stop. Turn off your cell phone. Turn off the computer. Turn off the TV. You know, clear the room and get in there with Him and you alone and talk about the deepest desires of your heart and the things that are of greatest concern to you. And then wait and and begin to develop the relationship. If I were to call most of you on the phone uh, and uh, you would say, you know, you'd say hello and I'd start talking, you would probably say, wait, who is this? But if I, con- if I continue to call you uh, uh, regularly, pretty soon you'd know and you wouldn't have to ask me who I am. That's the same way with God's voice. You begin to learn. You begin to hear. You begin to distinguish His voice from your thoughts. Because His voice will come in, in your language and, and it, pictures will come into your mind that... that you know, he, he speaks with your vocabulary and sometimes you don't know whether it's your thought or his thought. But what I've found, and I'm getting off on a tangent here, but what I've found is that his thought is, I often think of it like taking a ping pong ball and, and pushing it down into a five-gallon bucket of water and then I hold my hand and I release that ping pong ball and it just floats right to the top. There's something alive in your spirit when God speaks to you. It has a... It has an ebullience. It has an effervescence about it. It's living. And that's how you begin to identify His voice. But we need to hear His voice and allow Him to reveal to us who we are and what we are in the secret place. And secondly, this is what, this is what Eric has brought to us in, in this whole idea of studying um, um, our identity in Christ corporately. This is what we're talking about here today. To know each other. To know who we are as a church. And not only to know in terms of the written Word of God that we are a holy temple, but also to know specifically the sphere, the atmosphere, the the call, the the general uh, emphasis of who we are right here in this room. Because we're different than the church down the street and we'll have a different emphasis. We have, a, we have a, I believe, part of our main emphasis is that we are a gateway church. And that means that we are open to the community. We're looking at Fairbanks. We're saying, come into the Holy Temple and meet with God. So Friends Church, just like each one of us individually, has a unique and specific call. And that's something that we will realize together. You know, we might, we might have an evangelistic emphasis or 
And some churches might be more toward counseling or prayer or, or the marketplace. Some of you, it's the same way individually. I'm called to trade crude oil futures. It's a unique aspect of a call of God on my life. So there's this uniqueness. And then thirdly, to make him known. How does our identity make him known? And there's a beautiful verse here in in John chapter 17, verse 20. It says, I do not pray for these alone. His disciples, that's who he's referring to. I do not pray for these alone, but also those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. So in other words, as we begin to manifest our identity, as we begin to know who we are and what we are, and as we become that thing in, you know, in, our, in, our, in the natural, as it's revealed, then it's a revelation to the world. That Jesus really did come from God. That He was the Son of God. That He was sent from heaven to earth. And here's the proof. Here's a manifestation of that fact. The very thing is that we are a holy temple of God. We are all of these things that, that were in the video. And as these things are realized, it's a revelation to the world. Secondly, we are, not only are we a temple of God, but we are specifically a holy temple. And I want to ask you this morning, are you holy? If you answer no, or even if you hesitate to answer yes, it's for one reason. It's because you have a performance mindset, which we all have been thoroughly indoctrinated in and this world runs on and so it's a part of what is necessary in terms of renewing our minds that we uh, get beyond our performance orientation in our minds. It's the definition of holy in the, in the uh, Greek and, the, and in, in the Hebrew here is a sacred place or thing consecrated dedicated, devoted to a particular purpose. This is in your notes. Kadash, to be, make, or declare clean, to purify. Hebrews 10. And saying, sacrifices, this is Jesus speaking, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you, God, have not desired nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. What is this all about? This is about the Old Testament. The fact that they had this brazen altar. And upon this altar in the, in the tabernacle of Moses and in the temple of Solomon, there were continual offerings being offered of bulls and goats and sheep and all this blood was going on day after day after day. And it actually didn't 
remove sin, but He just covered it for another year that they might continue in their relationship with God. And what He's saying here, God wasn't pleased with that. That was not God's plan from the beginning. That was not His ultimate purpose. It was simply a picture, a symbol of what was to come. Verse 10, By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all. So He takes away the first. He took away the whole Old Testament sacrificial system and He replaced it with one offering which was the body of Jesus Christ. And the amazing thing right here, it says that we have been sanctified. That word sanctified is the same root word as holy. We have been made holy by the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Every priest in the Old Testament stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But He, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sin for all time, sat down at the right hand of the Father of God, waiting from that time onward until His enemies be made His footstool. For by one offering, He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Are you holy? Are you sanctified? Are you perfect? (laughs) That's performance orientation right there. That's what I'm talking about. You know, my, my beautiful, adorable granddaughter, one of them, had a birthday this week. Her name is Haven. And she, she turned three years old, and she got a very special uh, birthday present, which was a big girl bed, which she has been praying for. And so she got a big girl bed. But, you know, in, in, uh, there's a verse that, that comes to my mind when I think of her and when I think of us. And it says in Colossians 2.10 that we are complete in Him. Now, Haven is not an adult. But within her is the DNA, and, and, I, and I trust you, uh, all of you that understand totally and completely, we're not worried about her becoming an adult. We know that within her is this DNA which will cause her to grow each year until she becomes a full-grown adult. And that's the same thing that we need to have within us, that we, God has called us to, and told us and is telling us, who we are and what we are. And if we can believe what He says to us, then then there is a blueprint that is in His mind that will certainly come to pass and we will become a mature believer in Christ who accomplishes and who manifests what God has called us to be. That's how it works. For it pleased the Father that in Him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you 
who were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. That's what the Word says. We need to agree with God's Word. And I'll tell you why. It's right here in your, in your notes. Identity. Identity. Who you are. What you are. The revelation of your identity precedes. You can fill in the blank. Precedes your transformation. It precedes your, your manifestation of what God has called you to be and do. The person that He's made and created you to become. In other words, you don't... It, it's, it, I, I have it written here also in the notes. Identity does not depend upon performance. And, and I should have put in here, not... Okay, it is not it is not the idea that once you achieve a certain level of performance, you will be a holy temple. This is a really critical concept here, both individually and corporately. We we think that we need to by our own sufficiency, our own wisdom, our own energy, our own self-effort we need to climb a ladder to become what God has called us to be. But what he says is, no, I want you to look at the blueprint. I want you to look at Jesus Christ. I want you to focus upon him. Because if you focus on your performance, you will never become what God has called you to be. So one thing precedes the other. And if we look at these verses that we just read, we realize we're clean, we're sanctified, we're purified, we're perfect, we're above reproach in His sight. We are a holy temple of God right now. Not by our effort, not by our performance, but by the performance of Jesus. And if you start looking at your performance and depending upon your performance you are actually diminishing the cross of Jesus. You're looking at your performance instead of His performance. It is by His performance on the cross, by the offering of His body, once and for all, that we are made a holy temple. We don't want to diminish His work by looking at our own works. Performance, see, performance depends upon identity. You are now a holy temple, a dwelling place of God. And once you know this, once this is revealed to you, that you get it in your spirit, your transformation and performance will begin to conform to your identity. We are in a process. We are growing into that which we already are, if that makes sense to you. One thought that came to me while I was preparing this message is the primary ministry of the devil. One of his primary objectives is to get us to focus on performance. To constantly analyze what we've done, our behavior, etc. And why is that? Because he is identified in the scriptures as the accuser of the brethren. And what what material does he work with? 
He works with your failures. He works with your track record. He works with your performance. And that is the raw material by which He can then, first of all, seduce you into something and then condemn you and shame you and oppress you. And it's like some of us have, uh, uh, we have in our lives, the enemy has built an entire international airport in our minds in which he can constantly land these these aircraft, these C-130s full of negative, oppressive thoughts about who and what you are. So that when he's seducing you, his whole objective is not just to get you to sin, it's to attack your identity. That's what he's after. He wants to attack the blueprint of who and what you are. Romans, this is uh, wrong in your notes here. It's Romans 4, 13 to 21, not Romans 5. For the promise, let, let's, I'm just giving you one example after another here to kind of make this point, but this is so fantastic, this little section of Scripture here. For the promise that he, Abraham, would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. And when we've talked about this before, and you really have to get this because it will open up the Scriptures to understanding a whole new way, that when you read these phrases through the law, for example, you have to think of self-sufficiency and performance. Because that's what the law was all about. It was a bunch of commandments by which we were, by our own energy and sufficiency and humanity, uh, commanded to obey, in other words, to perform. So the promise that he was to be heir of the world and, and the promise to Abraham and his seed was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Okay? So keep that in mind. Righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law, if those who are of their own self-sufficiency, performance, track record, behavior, etc., are heirs, which is what we were just talking about being you know, performance-oriented in our minds that we're seeking to achieve these things by our own self-effort. Anyway, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. So it's either one or the other. It's either God's sufficiency and His promise or your own. So it says, and it is, uh, as it is written, I have made you, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls things that be not as though they, as, as though they exist or, or calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So in other words, what's going on here? I mean, if you really you know, take a look at this, is God is speaking something from the invisible realm. From the spirit realm. He says something to Abraham. I've made you. And Abraham had not had a single child. I mean, he couldn't have any children. But he says, I've already made you. It's past tense. I've done this. You're you're the father of many nations. And it says, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, 
so shall your descendants be. And this is the part where it was contrary to hope. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider, here it is, his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So in other words, in the natural, this thing was not going to happen. There was not, the plumbing wasn't there to enable them to have a child. It was already done. That, that part of it was not possible. So it was contrary to hope. And listen, one thing we've got to get used to in all of this is that what God, who He has called you to be, who you are and what you are, is going to be contrary to hope. It's going to be contrary to hope in the same way that when God sent Moses to Egypt to deliver over a million people, a million slaves, I mean, what are the probabilities that that's going to happen? Or when Joseph had this dream, what are the probabilities that Joseph's going to be able to work his way into being the top advisor to Pharaoh over the whole nation of Egypt? Or what are the probabilities that this young, uh, inexperienced David is going to take on this giant warrior and defeat him? So it's always going to be contrary to hope. Get used to it. Understand, this is exactly what God has to deal with in in us. Because we're being called to something that is beyond uh, and uh, above and beyond what is humanly possible. And that's what makes it so awesome. (laughs) Come on. So it says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He didn't let unbelief get to Him, but was strengthened in His faith, giving glory to God. And listen to this. And being fully convinced that He, he, what He had promised, what God had spoken over Him, I have made you. What God has spoken over each one of you as you go into the secret place, whatever He speaks to you, that's His promise. I have made you. This is who you are. This is what you are. He, it says, what He had promised, He was also able to perform. And that's what we have to have. We have to have the performance of God in our lives, in and through us, to become what He's called us to be. There's no other way. This is what Paul meant. Paul, an apostle, not by man, nor the agency of man, not by human wisdom, not by human effort, not by human sufficiency will I become or have I become. By the grace of God, I am what I am. So it's contrary to hope. And the foundation is right in here. Two things. Number one, the righteousness of faith. That you are holy. You are sanctified. You are pure. You're clean right now. Apart from your performance. By the offering of Jesus Christ's body on the cross. Once and for all. That's the foundation. And secondly, what we just read. What He has promised, He's able to perform. 
It's His sufficiency. So we have His righteousness and His sufficiency. And we have to have that together. Because it's contrary to hope. If you never become what God has called us to be, it's not humanly possible apart from Him. But the good news, we are in union with Him. We're a holy temple, a dwelling place of God. Okay, so... Um, almost time to go here, so I'll skip over this. Second Corinthians 3 talks about he, he is our sufficiency, okay? He is our sufficiency. The Old Covenant demands human sufficiency. The New Covenant supplies God's sufficiency. The New Covenant is all about union. The Old Covenant was all about non-union. So it's union versus non-union. This is what Paul is talking about when he says, we recognize, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. It's all, you're either union or non-union. That's the whole world. Matthew 16. This is really awesome. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. These are all really weird answers, but anyway, that's what they said. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the, you are the Christ, the Son of a living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is the thing. The, the identity cannot be... It's not revealed by flesh and blood. It's not a matter of your three marvels coming up with, you know, the concept. It's not a concept. It's a revelation. It's a revelation about who Jesus is, and it's a revelation about who you are. Okay? Now get this. And I say to you, I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. One thing that I believe is in this verse here is that it's the rock that Jesus is going to build his church upon. Think about it, okay? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is, he is our King. He is our Messiah. He is the Son of God, Okay? But it's also, it's also, you are Peter. Peter was, you know, he says here, Simon Barjona, Simon son of Jonah. That was his given name. But Jesus changed his name when he first met him. And he said, you're Peter. And that means a stone. And we know that Jesus is the cornerstone. Peter is a stone. It, the, the rock upon which the church is built is our revelation of Jesus and, and His revelation given to us about who and what we are. And upon this revelation of identity, He will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is what we're talking about. He's going to, he's going to destroy that international airport that's been built in our mind by the kingdom of darkness. It's not going to prevail if we can get an idea identity revelation of who He is and who we are. And that's why we're talking about identity here this morning. 
And then lastly, 2 Corinthians 3. Um, I guess the worship team can come up here. Um, but I won't go through all this, but let's go down to the end here where it says, um, but verse 15, there, uh, 15, but even to this day when Moses read, a veil lies on their hearts. The, the people under the old covenant, there was a veil. It was a veil that Moses wore when he came down from Mount Sinai with the, with the, having been with God for 40 days, he came down and he put a veil over his face because his face was shining with the glory of God. And so it says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now listen to this. This is so powerful. But we all, we all, everyone in this room, we all, with unveiled face, in other words, the veil has been taken away. How? What does this mean, this veil? It's, it's the veil of flesh and blood. We're going beyond the veil now. We have by the Spirit the capability of, of seeing who He is. And, and, and look at this. It says, beholding as in a mirror. What do you behold in a mirror? You look at yourself in the mirror. But what do you see? It says, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Beholding. You get into the secret place and you go, God, show me who you are. Lord, show me who I am. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Reveal this to me. Who am I? What am I? Show me my identity, Lord. Show me who I'm created to be. Show me the blueprint, Lord. Show me my spiritual DNA. Help me to believe, God. Help me to rest. Help me to rely wholly and completely upon you to bring this to pass. God, I rejoice in who you've made me to be. Lord, I am glad today that God is giving us a revelation of our identity as Friends Church. And it's stirring within us. And the Holy Spirit is moving and creating within us a a passion for Him and an energy and an enthusiasm and an excitement about what Friends Church can be as a revelation, not each one of us individually, but also corporately, who and what we are. Thank you, Lord. I pray that God will pour out His presence over you and that the Spirit of God will bring you into this revelation that He is desiring to bring to us here at Friends Church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you mightily.
questions people right up here that are all the prayer talking. 